Hello and welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Megan Sunday. And I'm Bo North. On this show, we are discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter. And today, we are here to talk about chapters 17 and 18 of Children of Dune, just as soon as we consider why all the girls are so beautiful this year. It's very important. It's so important. I love that yeah. that's a big, like, linchpin point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do enjoy it when when you have, like, a big major turning point on something very small and in, and mm-hmm. seemingly insignificant. I think that's a nice, like, literary turn. So I was down for it, although a lot of these these two chapters did go over my head a little. I'm not going to uh. lie, but I'm also very tired, so. <laughs> Leto is just popping off. He's just yeah. like, you know what? Here is some stuff. He's got plans. He's making plans. He's, you know, try- he's like trying so hard to get Stilgar to see what he's trying to say and is getting frustrated. And God, I understand that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. you know at the end of the day too he's a nine-year-old body trying to like project these images to people and being like this is important information and yeah everyone's like mm-hmm, you're cute yeah oh you're so cute and small <laughs> it's like damn he's... it i'm so old <laughs> if this <laughs> if it was you know if this was a television show on netflix he could at least curse yeah. <laughs> At least there'd be that. But he doesn't have that because this is Dune. Right. And they have new swear words, but, you know, they're not as good. <laughs> yeah. And not quite as as accessible as, like, the Battlestar Galactica, you know, freck. Yeah. They need a good made-up one. Yeah. Like, once you have that in-world, I think it really does help. I still use freck every day. Mm. Oh, for sure. Is very I mean, useful I- at work. And yeah, now and the I child. Imagine, yeah, you've got a, a young one running around. You don't want her picking up on certain words yet. Oh my god, because she will, because it has happened. <laughs> What's you, oh shit? Why did you say oh shit, daddy? You know, like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> you've got a little a baby Machiavelli in, over there. So, oh my god. <laughs> uh, I suppose I should read this epigraph, right? Mm hmm. <laughs> oh, it's the right. preacher. Oh, it's our old friend, the preacher at Arakeen, and he's got something to say. All right, here we go. I will not argue with the Fremen claims that they are divinely inspired to transmit a religious revelation. It is their concurrent claim to ideological revelation which inspires me to shower them with derision. Of course, they make the dual claim in the hope that it will strengthen their uh, mandarinate and help them to endure in a universe which finds them increasingly oppressive. It is in the name of all those oppressed people that I warn the Fremen, short-term expediency expediency always fails in the long term. I mean, this is kind of your fault. (laughs) That's what... How dare you chide them for... I... (laughs) Yeah, the the Atreides sibs have a very big problem with just kind of throwing their hands in the air and saying, how did this happen? Yeah. But how did it happen? And it would be one thing if it was just Paul Preacher saying, well, damn, I I screwed up. And the the things that I I chose to do, the path I chose to take, 
was not the right one. It was, you know, not the right thing to do in the long run. Mm -hmm. But instead, it's just, well, geez, can't believe everyone else just took this idea and ran with it. (laughs) Oh, fuck off, Paul. (laughs) What a crazy thing for them to do. I don't know. Uh, Couldn't do a thing about it, though. Right. Like, okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm not getting into it. You know, you know my feelings on the way the Fremen are sometimes painted as, you know, bloodthirsty hordes or whatever. And now it's like, I don't know. This is almost like saying, oh, you're a bunch of barbarians. I will say. Zealots, I think is a better word, probably. That it is a little just there are little hints around the edges of like uh, that it's being painted as this absolute, yeah, zealotry and ridiculousness that the, these religious people make a pilgrimage Mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh, Frank. (laughs) Yeah. Um, not great. Not Not great. Not great. So (sighs) let's move on from that though. (laughs) To this chapter, because there's kind of a, this is kind of a meaty episode. There's, these two chapters have a lot to give us. I enjoy that there's a Mount Idaho. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I'm just picturing, you know I'm just picturing a mountain of mashed potatoes. Mmm, delicious. I know. Close encounters. I think of that every time. (laughs) Every time you have mashed potatoes? (laughs) Yeah. I do too, because, you know, wouldn't that be great if just once you could just be like i have to make a statue i'm yeah. being compelled <laughs> for me it would mm. more be i i need all the mashed potatoes because i'm compelled to make art but then i just eat them yeah i mean like, Haha, i've tricked you all i can make a representation of crater lake but the lake is just gravy <laughs> like i could do that i love mashed potatoes and gravy i am so basic that is like my ultimate comfort food. In fact, just like gravy uh, of any kind, any variety. Biscuits Fucking and gravy. gravy. I love yeah, a, sauce, I... a breakfast sausage gravy. That's when I like mm-hmm. gravy. Gravy with mashed potato, like a dinner gravy. I'm a little less like, uh, I don't mm. know. I but love it because it's just salt. It's just basically salt. A breakfast gravy. I'm like, yes, please. This is mm. just down home food. Like, look at me. Like... I'm just eating like my ancestors. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right before a, a long day out in the, out on the farm. Yeah, that's always the part that I neglect is <laughs> the part of how my ancestors likely ate where they then did physical labor for most of the day. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Oh well. Actually, this is this is a digression. This is a total tangent, but you just made me think of something and I thought it was really super interesting, but I was listening to the You're Wrong About podcast, which is a great podcast, and everyone should check it out. It's really good. But they were doing an episode on the Stepford Wives, which, you know, is kind of Mm -hmm. a, it's a very, like, smart book. Yes. Uh, It's a very smart story about, you know, women and the labor that they put into sort of, like, maintaining this nuclear family slash American dream and the way that technology like the advancement of technology actually made life in a lot of ways like harder for women because it did not there wasn't like an equal division of labor once mm-hmm. like 
you know, once men start stopped, uh, once you could buy flour in the store, it's like men didn't have to be out there, you know, farming or, you know, threshing and yeah. taking the, the grain to the mills. Yeah. So, I don't know. That was the tangent, but you made me think of it. It was well, interesting. It, it, it also, you know was a negative because it's not as if this technology was made to equalize the no. work of the home. Exactly. Like, oh, we have a washing machine and a dryer now, but I, I'm not going to use it, honey. Right. Like, and how, like more... now you have to learn how to do this and do more. Yeah. This is how like housewives, the whole idea of like the housewife started because they had to be home all the time to, to be like minding all of these appliances. You know, it was like every time, and it was so fascinating because it was like every time there is like a technological advancement, there would come something that would just make it much more labor intensive. Like they were talking about when quick rise breads and things like that became a thing or, you know, you could buy mm -hmm. like raising agents in the store. And then like, of course... Or, like, egg beaters. And then, of course, naturally, like, the next popular cake was angel food cake, which is, like, twice the work of a regular cake. Yeah. So it's just, like, it's so fascinating to see, like, how, like, technology doesn't advance <laughs> for equally for men and women. So anyway, that was a digression. <laughs> and honestly, the most obnoxious part, well, one of the most obnoxious parts about the Stepford Wives is that none of the women necessarily in that book want it's not as if any of them are like i want to be a high-powered banker and be away no. from my family they just like, have like a, a now group you know they just have like a women's lib like they just club. wanted like yeah i have a women's lib book club and maybe do some photography on the side maybe have yeah. a job but like come home at, and have dinner and, and everything and maybe every so often like their husbands could just you know put something in the oven mm -hmm. and instead the men were like uh no we're going to replace you with yeah. disney animatronics right. um, with big boobs big boobs yeah so anyway ah uh. <laughs> the worst Culture. part of that entire thing is the fact how excited the men are that they can have sex with these robots because i'm like guys oh boy why would you want to have i just no yeah yeah I mean, okay, never mind. Moving on. <laughs> Poor Duncan Idaho's like, I'm not a robot. <laughs> I'm a reconstituted zombie man. <laughs> right. I'm a clone. I'm a clone with a reborn soul. <laughs> Hello. Um. Sorry, dude. So we've got this chapter. We've got uh, Leto and Stilgar out at the attendant. They are... This is this the deck. These these chapters are entirely. Let's get Stilgar on our side, and he mm -hmm. is not having it because he is like, but I don't like any of this. Yeah, I, I he's like, I don't want to talk about this. Come on, kid, let's go back, little guy. So they're out walking. Yeah. Uh, this will be a big thing later when it's you know people are talking about how oh did you know they went out all night walking? <laughs> cool. Right. <laughs> uh, even though. You know, that was what the Fremen always did, but not anymore. You know, because they even mentioned, you know, Stilgar doesn't like moving around in the daylight because, you know, he's an old Fremen. Yeah. Uh, so they're, you know, they're just walking through the desert. We get a lot of description about, you know, where they are and how beautiful it is. And yeah, mm -hmm. the desert, lovely. Uh, and then he's just like, okay, so we got a problem. Yeah. 
Uh, and he's like, oh, I don't like that. And so <laughs> he, then also Stilgar is like, he sounds too much like his father, which of course makes Stilgar uncomfortable because he can only he... think of a couple of reasons why that would be. Yeah. Uh, even though children often sound like their parents. Uh, I mean, maybe yeah. not at nine, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's a thing, Stilgar. And he even notes at one point that like, it's okay to look at your children and think, I am immortal through them. Like, I continue yeah. through them, but not to be actually immortal. <laughs> wrong. Mm-hmm. That part's wrong. Uh, yeah, he's basically thinking, he's just like, I don't like that. Because Fremen's knew the terrors of possession. Those found possessed were rightfully killed. And their okay, water now- cast upon the sand. <laughs> now, Damn. This- How yeah, often this- is this happening? <laughs> I know. I want to talk about this because I'm curious as to what they define as possession, is it the same thing that, like, Alia is kind of going through now? Because... Yes. Because they kind of are more predisposed towards these sort of, you know, prescience and all of that. But I also kind of think, like, what if it's just, like, mental... What if it's mental illness? I mean, no one in these books has any problems that are not supernatural or Mm. just, you know, the terrors of communal genetic memory. Yeah. Um, I mean, they seem to be very specifically talking about a very specific thing, which is... Possession. Possession. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, I think it's just that that must happen enough that it's at least in their legends and their memory that this is what we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not to say that this has ever happened, that Stilgar's ever had to do this or anything. Uh, It's pretty rich that, as will come up later, that he's like, wow, this kid sounded like his dad. Better think about maybe, you know, this is what we have to do is kill him when it's like, Ollie is like, hello, ignore me. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of think that Alia is, uh, and this this chapter kind of reinforces it that she might be a blind spot for Stilgar. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, he is Team Alia. Yeah, because she's a proper Fremen. I think he kind of still looks at her and is like, she's too. Yeah, he's got that kind of you know veil on, and everyone's just like Stilgar. (laughs) Yeah, because remember he was the only one last book who was like, "Uh, none of this is okay please just get her married, which of course is a, a very old school way of thinking, but he meant it in a, this is, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> the atmosphere in this place is bad. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with the energy we've created in the studio today. <laughs> yes. And just a lot of uh, what I think will help is if her hormones can be directed in a way that is maybe a guy to whom she's married. Right. Direct them that way. Uh, So Leto is, again, doing one of these, wouldn't it be crazy if? Yeah. Because he's talking about, you know, maybe my father left too too many things undone. Like, I should be emperor, but I don't know if I want to be emperor yet, if I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Gosh, maybe I should just do some spice. (laughs) Yeah, he does. He's like, maybe the spice melange. Hmm. Stilgar's like, um... <laughs> like, that destroyed your father. And he's like, yeah, I know, it sucks. It's a paradox. Because he says, you know, Stilgar says, you know, your your father told me that if you, that, which is a recurring theme, if you know the future too well, you're locked into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I know, it's crazy. It's nuts. It's so weird. Um, 
Sue Stilgar. <laughs> yeah. I've had three visions. Maybe they weren't visions. I like that he's just like, maybe they were visions. Maybe they weren't visions. Let's not lock anything down. Because as soon as he says vision, Stilgar's like, uh-huh. Like, let me just <laughs> get my knife ready. Vision. Yeah. Well, three possibilities. It's like, maybe they're just happy dreams I had. I don't know, man. No, let's not put any names to them. Uh, <laughs> first one, uh, going to kill my grandma. Yeah. Stilgar, it's like, uh, I don't like that. But well, he's, he's like, why would you kill your lady, Jessica? And he's like, well, you don't need to know all the deets, but it's to secure the spice monopoly. And he's also kind of like, uh, maybe she can hear us from wherever she is, because she's spooky. <laughs> Still yeah. spooky lady. Still a little afraid of her. And he's like, okay. What about the second one? <laughs> he's like, uh, the second one I married, Ghani. Stilgar's yeah, like, nope. Stilgar's Mm-mm. like, he literally goes, yeah! <laughs> which I was, I laughed. <laughs> and so Leo does, does, he does, you know, say like, look, what, what we mean is it would be in name only, like, you know, the fairies of old, although the fairies of old, it was more than name only, but we'll move on. Just, he's like, but we've already decided that we're not going to breed. Like, oh, good. Yeah, yeah, he's like, well, you you better, I'm gonna fucking hold you to that kid, because that's, like, their, you know, it's, like, very much a taboo in their culture. Like, it's a punishable by death in, Which, in breeding incest. thank God. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, you know, I'm a little worried. I was a little worried, because, you know, they're very contained societies, mm-hmm. and I imagine that there's probably, I mean, someone's marrying their second cousin. I mean, that's just whatever, but that's also not honestly like whatever that's not a big thing as it is to i think our culture because genetically it's basically nothing it just i think a lot of it depends on how well you know these people Mm -hmm. and how you think of them but at least it's not common it's not okay in their culture you know i always worry that frank was gonna be like you know what (laughs) well i think it's really interesting because of what Stilgar kind of realizes in the next chapter, and I'm not going to get too far ahead, but just that how the Fremen are, when you are that insular, when you are that like withdrawn from, you know, the world at large, you know, when you're just, is this whole thing is like, there's no, they, they've been living all this time with no future in mind, just the Mm -hmm. present, the endless present. So I think it's fascinating. Like, now that they're sort of things are changing and you know this is when you're in this sort of insular society like that like you can't have that kind of thing going on yeah (laughs) and and it's just just goes to show like how they had like they definitely had a structured society like with fully formed rules and everything oh yeah yeah you just, you never know where Frank's going to pull out a, and sometimes they married their sisters. And he was like, no, yeah. Frank. Frank. Yeah, that was very rambling, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, and then the third one, because I think he's just like, all right, uh, what's this third one? <laughs> yeah. And he says, I am called to reduce my father to human stature. Yeah. Stilgar's like, well, he's my friend. Like, can we not talk shit about your dad? And he's like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that. <laughs> He was your god, and we need to undeify him. Mm-hmm. And then he says, look, also, I might die. 
Yeah. Fun fact, Stilgar, I might die, and if I die, you have to look out for Alia. And at this it's point, like, Stilgar's had enough. <laughs> it's not even I might die, but I'll probably die, and it'll probably be right over there. Yeah. You're going to see my blood. It's going to be on those rocks. Um, mm-hmm. You need to take care of my sister and beware of my aunt. Yeah. Uh, and Stilgar's kind of like, I don't know about any of this. Like, I know House Carino's a threat. I was once mm-hmm. all like, I vote to have Faradin assassinated, but no one no one agreed. Yeah. Uh, I like that they were basically going to, to poison his Kahlua. Because <laughs> they were like, he loves he sweet likes liqueurs. Sweet, sweet drinks. <laughs> Which, same. same. Yeah, that's how I'd go. Like, this Bailey's tastes weird. I guess I'll keep drinking it. Uh, He's like, all right, what are you talking about? Now you're talking about you're going to die and your aunt is going to, what? Like, what are you talking about? And I like the italics where he's just like, kill Lady Jessica, beware of Alia, die in this place. (laughs) What are you talking about? It's too much. Yeah. (laughs) And he says, look, you know, too much is, like... A ruler doesn't need to be a prophet or a god. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they need to be sensitive. And he points out, you know, at one point, like, I'm supposed to be an emperor, but what I should be is a servant. Yeah. And he's just like, well, all right. And he starts talking about, okay, like, this was, again, like a Vine reference, but he says, <laughs> well, when you come of age, he says, I am of age. I'm the oldest person here. <laughs> I'm 16. I'm, I'm a, a grandmother. grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, I can remember, he says, you know, I remember these things from, from in history. And Stilgar's just like, oh my God, stop. You're making it up. Like, you're being silly. Stop talking about it. Like, please just knock it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just, he, yeah, he says, I must be the servant. Uh, and, you know, he says that he should be... He says, I should be the emperor because I was born to be the emperor, but I should also be the emperor because I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, no, excellent point. <laughs> excellent <laughs> point, Leto. Like, that's yeah. very good. You should actually know what the fuck you're doing as opposed to just, well, this, you were born. I guess that makes you king or whatever, because yeah. that's always worked so well for human society. Uh, Stilgar points out that Nabe means servant of the sitch, which he's yeah. like, yeah, see, you get it. Uh, and he's just so, he's talking about this, and at this point they're having a really nice conversation, and it's just so funny, because then at one point he calls him youngster again, and Leto's like, yeah, okay, again with that. Mm-hmm. I am... <laughs> a million years old, I've said it I'm a it million before. years old. I'm so old. <laughs> I am everyone. I am the sum of all my ancestors. I'll get into that later. <laughs> Yeah. And so they start, he starts saying, like, you know, look at all this change. They look at a village. There's mm-hmm. the, the shield wall uh, that's by the shield wall. He's talking about, like, you know, these new still so- suits are not great. Apparently yeah, lots of are... people take pills. Yeah. I guess, like, water retention or whatever. They, yeah, they reduce water loss and shift your body temperature, which. Mm, give uh, me some of them. I know, right? <laughs> Like, I live near Washington, D.C. In the summer, I could use this. Oh, my God. It's so humid there. Uh, uh, but also, it gives you a slow reaction time and blurred vision, which, I, mm. whatever, man. I, 
I already I... can't see. Like, let's yeah. just keep it. <laughs> let's keep it moving. And Stilgar's like, all right, what are we doing out here? Because we're not here to talk about steel suits. Which I feel like Leto should be like, okay, I have <laughs> been over so much stuff. We are just talking about steel suits now because you won't listen to me. Yeah, like. If you won't listen to me, then I'm just going to talk about whatever the fuck I want. So He's like, oh, I need to beware of your aunt, who's a great Fremen and is wonderful. Um, and she's just like, all right. Uh, so, okay, now here is a point. <laughs> so he says, because Stilgar, Stilgar says, why, sh- why must I beware of your aunt? And Leto <laughs> says, because she plays upon the old Fremen desire to resist change, yet would bring more terrible change than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And this is when Silgar says, "Like, no, like you're you're making you're making too much out of stuff she's done. She's yeah. a proper Fremen." And he says, "The proper Fremen holds to the ways of the past, and I have an ancient past. Like we know, Leto. <laughs> we know." And he says, "Were I to give free rein to this inclination, I would demand a closed society, completely dependent upon the sacred ways of the past." I would control migration, explaining that this fosters new ideas, and new ideas are a threat to the entire structure of life. Sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. Each little planetary polis would go its own way, becoming what it would. Finally, the empire would shatter under the weight of its differences. And Stilgar's like, what? (laughs) Why is this suddenly this this America first rhetoric? (laughs) Right. Uh And he says, you know, like, he still goes, like, it sort of sounds like something his father would have said. But also, what? (laughs) (laughs) Because it is this great thing of, you know, part of Stilgar wants to say, well, we don't need to change. Like, things were good and they have changed a bit, but, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But also, change, change is a pretty good thing. (laughs) And sometimes it has to happen. You can't just close in amongst yourselves and say like yeah. well this is gonna be fine yeah yep <laughs> look how well that's <laughs> mm. that worked for us right and they they talk a little bit about the past and a battle that happened and Stilgar kind of has this moment of well, how would he know any of that it's like Stilgar <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he talks about uh when the Duke Leto uh, save the men from the spice harvester and um you know gurney kind of said because paul was like well what about the crawler yeah and gurney was like your your father would be more concerned about the men you know running it he, he the duke understood that like people mm-hmm. are the power and which is something that i'm not sure paul ever really grasped i mean he knew like numbers exactly Paul, Paul was like the more people are the power but then you know billions of people died for him and in his name and yeah it wasn't it was still just kind of nameless yeah masses so you I know mean, it's he... still better than the old duke who I'm pretty sure would have just been like let's watch these people get eaten by a worm oh yeah <laughs> Can we somehow get the spice onto this uh, and just they can, I don't know what they'll do. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Worm food. So, you know, (laughs) he says, you know, this is, and this is like the most important thing to Leto. He's like, you know, you need to save people. I think he's trying to say like the Imperium and all of that, like it's not important. What's important is the people. You need to save the people, especially Ghani. 
Yeah. It's like, if I, something happens to me, she's the only hope for our family. Yeah. And Silgar's like, yeah, I'm done with this. Because <laughs> <laughs> he again says, well, you're not my duke. You're a child. He says, I am an adult in a child's flesh. Like, stop mm-hmm. saying stuff like that. <laughs> you weirdo. You can't just go around saying stuff like that. Again, a good reason why the miniseries was like, let's just make these teenagers because no one needs a nine-year-old walking around saying stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) And they start walking back uh, toward the Oasis. And at some point, Leto walks by him and looks over his shoulder and says, have you noticed still how beautiful the young women are this year? Yes. (laughs) He's like, I have like four wives. I really don't have time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I am a busy man. Yeah. I've got a lot on my plate. So. The, that cha- next chapter would go a lot differently if he was just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I haven't paid any attention. <laughs> but this is that, that tiny sentiment that, you know, gets this small observation that sort of, you know, puts everything mm-hmm. on its head for Stilgar. So that was the end of that chapter. Yes, that's our big, like, cliffhanger. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, the next chapter picks up, like, immediately after. So it it kind of reads like one long chapter. Mm -hmm. But, um, okay, so we've got another epigraph here. Should I read it? Go for it. Okay. This is from the the Book of Leto after Hark Alada. And here it goes. The life of a single human, as the life of a family or an entire people, persists as memory. My people must come to see this as part of their maturing process. They are people as organism. And in this persistent memory, they store more and more experiences in a subliminal reservoir. Humankind hopes to call upon this material if it is needed for a changing universe. But much that is stored can be lost in the chance that chance play of accident which we call fate. Much may not be integrated into evolutionary relationships, and thus may not be evaluated and keyed into activity by those ongoing environmental changes which inflict themselves upon flesh. The species can forget. This is a special value of the Kwisatz Haderach, in which the Bene Gesserits never suspected. The Kwisatz Haderach cannot forget. They also can't forget to tell us all the time that they're the Kwisai Chatterack. <laughs> yeah. So, um, is this just, you know, evolution? How people evolve or whatever? When you evolve, I think, you forget? I think it's, again, saying, look, you know, there's only so much that can be attributed to fate and how much, mm-hmm. you know, people have to actually like work upon to change. Yeah. And that... You know, you can forget and you can change, but everyone everyone has to do it. Like, it can't just be, like, one person going, well, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> like, that's that's not... It, it, people have to exist. It's, it's basically, you know, I don't know if you know this, Bo, but uh, we live mm. in a society. Oh, well, you know, I think I've heard that somewhere before. I heard it on the wind. Uh, <laughs> whispered yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, that's wind, all right. <laughs> <laughs> So Stilgar is now really bothered uh, yeah. by what Leto said. He as is they are in crisis. Back. 
he is having a moment. He is going through it. So he starts thinking about that. Yes, actually, the young women on Arrakis are very beautiful that year. And so are the young men. Because they're all mm-hmm. like water fat and glowy. Yep. Uh, and apparently... They sort of are bright eyed and curious, I think. Too. Yeah. And sometimes they don't even wear still suits. They wear like sassy clothes. Mm hmm. That like show off their bodies. Like, woo woo. Yeah. Me peeps. And that it's kind of, you know, there's the, they're, they're beautiful. The land has this new beauty to it. And, you know, suddenly you can see like little bits of green and little like bushes and grass and trees and stuff. And the village made out of mud bricks. You know, people have windows now and they Mm -hmm. open them. (laughs) To let light in. Like, ooh. You know, they would have, because he, he thinks, you know, old Fremen are like, I can't believe people are making mud bricks because you need water to make mud. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the water for making one house would keep an entire set alive for a year. Yeah. And, you know, people, they're not, people like new Fremen can live in a house and open their windows and look outside and they don't just live underground, which I do, I will say that I think he's kind of demeaning the mm. way they used to live a little bit because yeah. I know that he's thinking in terms of well now people you know are living out and the, you know they walk around and there's green and they can walk in the mm-hmm. sun and not have to worry about you know dying because they were outside for half an hour but mm-hmm. then to talk about how like oh you know they're not enclosed and huddling it's like you guys were living pretty good lives yeah. It's not like you were living in, like, a small, weird hole or something. Like, Well, I mean, and it was out of necessity. Yeah, but it also, like... I mean, I, I think he's he is just kind of downplaying it a little as, like, oh, you know, we used to just live in these caves. And it's like, you guys lived in pretty elaborate cave systems mm-hmm. with, like, rooms and factories and... Yeah. <laughs> like, Although you know... they... <laughs> do say it every chance they get that it smelled bad so there is that i mean that part <laughs> and now you can actually just like live in a house with your family and not have to live in a place with everyone you've ever met or known mm-hmm. uh which is like bead curtains <laughs> and smelling everyone's oh my god still suits <laughs> just walking by like everyone's house while they're just having sex and you're just like oh good yeah like, oh, this is part of communal living. I am pretending I don't hear that. <laughs> oh. Because then you know for sure there was some point where you were, like, walking by someone's place and heard something and were like, oh, those two. And then you ran into, like, one of them later. Like, like as you were walking, you're like, oh. <laughs> 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 oh. No secrets in this itch. Nope. Like, I'm just going to keep going. I have a shift at the <laughs> still suit factory and i have to go <laughs> i go i got my make my plastil quota bye <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh so he's he's just you know like you said he starts thinking like it used to be that fremen couldn't even imagine ever leaving arrakis mm-hmm. you know the idea of that was just nuts like now you know people yeah, because he says, you know, people, he says the Fremen had turned inward. They were barricaded in their minds as they were barricaded in their cave warrens. And yeah. 
he thinks that at the time that there was a, a, a shift where not only were people living in the sitches out of necessity, but because they were afraid, mm-hmm. you know, and because they were, it was, you know, he calls it interplanetary serfdom. You know, they, yeah. they were never going to leave. There was nothing else for them to do. They might as well just live in caves and do all the old stuff. Yeah. And so he starts thinking, you know, he's thinking again, okay, well, now there's these new generations and, and they, they see different things and they do different things and they have dreams and ambitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they dream of going off planet. Like, the, it's, they can see, like, a, a universe of possibilities. Yeah, and he thinks, you know, well, like, this was, you know, there the Fremen, Arrakis being prosperous was dangerous mm-hmm. to the Imperium. Yeah. Because they don't want them to be prosperous. They don't want them to be independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we saw, you know, in Dune, now the Harkonnen just saw the Fremen as, you know, slaves, slave labor. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now they could think of something more like that's not their role any longer and he's just like well huh yeah you know there was just the endless now you know even Liet Kynes had said look we're going to change Arrakis in 4,000 years mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it'll be we will never see this happen but we have to do it for the future generations but now it's actually happening and mm-hmm. like people are like living in that time that was always just a dream yeah so yeah, he's realizing that change is happening, like, whether you want it or not. And that trying to, like, dig in and entrench yourself in the ways of the past is, you know, it it creates that friction against mm-hmm. this other, you know, this newer sort of more open-minded sort of society that they're creating. Yeah, he says, you know, he re- they realized that the emperor had basically gaslighted all of Arrakis into mm-hmm. thinking like, well, you need us. You can't do anything without us. You'd all die yeah. on, on this horrible planet. <laughs> and you need us to come and give you something to do as you harvest spice. And that the Fremenic kind of, you know, believed it. Like they had let mm-hmm. themselves kind of fall into a mindset of, well, this is what we have. Yeah. And he realizes that, this is what Alia is still advocating for in a way because she's very much, well, we can do, we could make changes, but it would be really scary for everyone. And we should probably just do one little tiny change. And then in like a year, we can look at something else. Yeah. What is the expression that she uses? Uh, that uh, just that change is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, that... You know, any permitted technology had to be rooted in ritual. Yeah. And that it, you know, change was dangerous. Invention must be suppressed. Individual willpower must be denied. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, he's like, well, you know, damn, she's just sort of doing the exact same thing on a lesser scale, but making it religious. Right. (laughs) Like, they're not slaves in, uh, you know, spice harvesters anymore, but now they're slaves to her religion, to the religion of Muad'Dib. Yeah. So, kind of same difference. And he realizes that this was what Leto was trying to tell him about Alia being, you know, being, beware of her, be wary Mm -hmm. of her. And, you know, he, he, they end up back 
at they're at an orchard and he's just like, yeah, like there's an orchard here. Like I'm walking mm-hmm. in grass. And yeah. you know, that's the biggest like that's a huge change and I would have never imagined that. But like look look how well look how well new generations are adapting to this. Yeah. You know, Alia sees it uh you know, she, you know, always puts it out as like, well this is these are changes, but they're not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know the real way it's supposed to be and we can only let people, you know, change but so much. Like, yeah, okay, people don't have to wear still suits all the time, but they certainly shouldn't try to, like, you know, start a democratic government. Or right. <laughs> <laughs> unionize. Right, uh, God forbid. And he he tries to, like, think about, like, you know, what he how he was raised. Like, yeah. You know. But he's just... You know, he's thinking like change is dangerous, but these young people are beautiful, mm-hmm. and they want to change. Yeah, and I mean, really, to me, it's kind of like, it's isn't it their world now? I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> the younger generations are the ones that inherit all this, which is why Leto is such a bit of a paradox himself. But anyway, and so he thinks about when. When Paul deposed the previous emperor, mm-hmm. he said, it's not long life to the emperor that I seek, it's long life to the imperium. And Sagar's like, well, I guess that's sort of what I've been telling myself, but that's not useful. Like, that's not the way to think. Because Maudib also said, you know, just as individuals are born, mature, breed, and die, so do societies and civilizations and government. And mm-hmm. that's, like, how it should be. Yeah. Things uh, should run their course. And he says, dangerous or not, there would be change. The beautiful young Fremen knew this. They couldn't, they could look outward and see it, prepare for it. Uh, he has to stop walking or else he's going to run right into Leto. Mm-hmm. And Leto is just like, you know what we need? Some sass. <laughs> and he's here to provide. So he looks up at him and says, you see still, tradition isn't the absolute guide you thought it was. Like, okay, dude. They didn't. <laughs> Calm he was down, getting kid. there on his own. He was making some very good leaps on his own. He would have gotten there eventually. He was. Yeah. You know, time is a wasting. Yeah. So stuff is going down. Big, big, big thoughts, big thinks in Children of Dune this week. Yeah. Uh, A lot to a lot to grapple with there. Next week we get a lot of Alia literally batting her eyelashes at Duncan Idaho. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a lot of like. (laughs) baby we're going from these like very lofty sort of existential uh, scenarios into sweetie uh, would you kidnap my mom right (laughs) for me please oh so exciting that's how i talk to my husband all the time sure yeah (laughs) that'd be so annoying he'd be like i need you to not ever not do that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, hey, uh, here's something mm. for a change of topic. Uh-oh. We got a letter. A letter, a letter. We need a letter song. Let- a letter. I, I got nothing. Yeah, a letter from a listener, and I'm going to read it, and I hope Yay. that that's okay. Uh, this is from Amber, and she says, I'm a bookseller at an indie bookstore, and I run our sci-fi fantasy book club. First of all, that sounds so fun. 
Mm-hmm. A few coworkers and I had never read Dune before and decided in order to achieve our proper sci-fi cred, we had to read it before the movie comes out, which is, yeah, that's why we're doing this podcast. I enjoy listening to chapter by chapter and episode by episode podcasts, but all the ones I found for Dune were either highly incomplete, maybe seven chapters in before quitting, or very dude bro is that a descriptor <laughs> yes <laughs> it is and i i get what you're saying i i see where you're coming from uh while i really well i did really like dune i also had a lot of issues with it the other podcast didn't seem to notice like how paul is a little shit <laughs> <laughs> amen uh it makes me feel excited to listen to women who are willing to acknowledge the problematic fave instead of sidestepping it not very far yet so i chuckle sadly to myself whenever y'all mention the movie coming out and the movies that would be up against in the box office remember that (laughs) yeah i'm also strongly considering continuing the series which i recommend i was hesitant before but feel more empowered now that i have guides to this journey with me Is that weird? Eh, Probably, but it's not that unusual. Anyway, you have a new fan, and I'm grateful for the hand-holding on my Dune journey. Amber from NC. So thank you so much, Amber. Yes, thank you. It was an awesome letter. It made us so happy. Um, I recommend continuing the series, at least Mm -hmm. Frank's series. Yes. Because especially those last two books are so buck-wild. That it's just like you have to read it to believe it, honestly. Um, yeah, and it's, it's definitely en- it's one enjoyable. Of those people are just like, uh, "Is this still in Dune?" You're like, "Yes, it's, actually. <laughs> it's they're very different, but they're good on their own." I feel like they stand, they do stand apart from the rest of the series, but I have you know a real affection for those last two books, mm-hmm. so. So I recommend continuing the series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Apart from that, so this episode will probably still drop before the end of the month. So you still have time to enter the contest for our anniversary giveaway. We have a beautiful Folio Society hardcover edition of Dune. It is, if you want to enter the contest, go to our Twitter. It's at WeirdingPod. And it's the pinned tweet at the top. You can enter that way. And, you know, still no Leto 2 fan art. I'm kind I'm kind of bowled over by this. He's so fun to draw. He really is. (laughs) He can be whatever you want him to be. Yep. So, uh, you know, if you want to win some Let's Get Weirding swag and a beautiful illustrated copy of Dune, you know, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate, I saw something recently, I'll have to try to find it again, that was talking about illustrations that were in uh, Tolkien mm. editions, mm-hmm. and that apparently a lot of them were because he initially didn't have descriptions. Mm. You know, he didn't describe things to the level that he eventually did, so, like, people would do illustrations, and it would be like, no, what? Gollum's like eight feet tall and he's like I've got to do something about this (laughs) and so I feel like that's a lot of also Leto 2 where it was just I think at some point Frank probably looked at a lot of book covers and went oh boy like maybe I should have been a little more specific yeah so I think it was something like hobbits looked like cats or something because he never described hobbits as like being 
people. <laughs> Just oh. like short with hairy feet. And people were like, well, I guess it's some kind of animal. I mean, if you don't know what a hobbit is and you just hear the word hobbit, I mean, that's not, that's not a, you know, an outlandish assumption. No, I mean, like, I don't think I would immediately assume that that was, (laughs) you know. Just basically a a person. Yeah. Which is why I do enjoy every, uh, you know, all the times in Lord of the Rings that people meet hobbits and are like, what? (laughs) What are you? <laughs> Who are these guys? <laughs> they eat so much. Why do they eat so much? They smoke a lot. Like, guys, you've got to stop what you're doing. <laughs> this is not the time or the place for any of this Hobbit stuff, you goofballs. Oh. oh I love them. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us this week, unless you have anything else to add, Megan? Nope, that is about it. All right. Awesome. Well, as always, you can find us over at thespool.net, where we write about film and television. We're on Twitter and Instagram at WeirdingPod. You can send us a letter, like this Amber's wonderful letter, to weirdingpodcast at gmail.com. But until next time, be nice and take your spice. Take your spice. Bye. Bye.